0: Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are observing men and women in the Bible, what we can learn from them, and observing God's constant faithfulness in the lives of His people. Today we consider the account of Deborah, the judge and prophetess in the book of Judges. James discusses her and the rise and fall of Israel's fidelity to God. You can find out more about our ministry by visiting us at seaoffire.org, and you can also view James's latest videos on YouTube at Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope this message serves to edify the church. Okay, so we're, as we continue through our series, uh, considering men and women in the Bible, we are coming up to Deborah. So we are actually entering the pages of Judges. Now, briefly, I do want to talk about Judges. The book of Judges is really a transition period, it was between 250 to 350 years of time span between the conquest of Joshua, and then the kingship of Saul, basically. And in this time, you'll see when you read Judges, the Israelites do evil on the side of the Lord. That's the first sentence in chapter 4, and they just continue. They, they have these times where they do evil on the side of the Lord. So God judges them. They'll, he'll send them an enemy, and they're very strong. They're a very strong enemy. And so then God has to raise up a judge or a savior or a deliverer for this purpose, and that's what Deborah. That's what Deborah is. But basically, that whole time frame, they are they are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. God judges them. Then they cry out to God. God raises them up a, a, a leader, and then they deliver them. And then they have a period of peace. Okay, so that's the brief introduction about what judges is, and we're we're going consi- to consider two more after this. We're going to consider Gideon, who comes straight after this account, and then Samson, which is going to be a longer. Uh, probably a two-parter again, but so we're going to consider Deborah. Now, okay, I'm a man. I don't know if, if anybody's recognized that, but I'm a man. And today's, In today's climate, we consider so much gender, right? And, and we consider the, the traditional roles of men and women, and I do not want to focus on that here. The point of the Bible and the point of judges is the faithfulness of God it is not our silly little dispositions about what a woman should be and, and be able to do and what a man should be now there are wait, there are some which I'll get into some roles that are specifically designed for men and some roles that are specifically designed for women in other words men can't give birth I mean that's motherhood is specific to women and special just for women so we are going to consider somewhat the gender dynamic that happens here but very briefly and in passing we are not focusing on that because that is not the focus we have gotten so caught up in the milieu of this whole women's liberation thing most of which was totally justified and needed to be done but we continue down the same road of victimhood and and just It it just never ends. So we're just not going to do that, okay? We are going to consider this account, God's faithfulness, and this wonderful and amazing woman God did raise up. So we are going to read chapter 4 fairly quickly. More of the information is actually in chapter 5. So we'll stop a few times, but then as we go into chapter 5, we'll cross-reference back, okay? Okay? All right, so let's st- let's start off. When Jehud was dead, so the, the um, account just before this, or, or a little bit before this, is about a judge named Ehud. He's a left-handed judge, and he kills this king, okay? But it was a great deliverance, and so when he was dead, the children of Israel again did evil on the side of the Lord. Again, that's what I'm, I'm telling you. Basically, God raises up 12 different judges, of course, it's 12. And so this happens over and over and over again. So they are doing evil in the sight of the Lord again. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The the commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth Hagoim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Okay, so he had 900 chariots of iron. And this time, these are basically tanks. In the first chapter of Judges, there's no judge. Basically Judah, the whole tribe of Judah is called for deliverance, and, and, and they were not able to drive out all of the inhabitants of the land because they had the same amount, uh, 900 chariots of iron. What it suggests, though, is that the tribe of Judah was just too scared of it. You know, they, they found them too, you know, too strong for them. They did not rely upon God, and so they decided not to overtake them because they were because of that fear. So this king. And his commander also has 900 chariots of iron. Again, these are basically impenetrable, very fierce weapons of war. Again, the closest thing I can compare it to is a tank of our own time. Okay, so now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. So she's a prophetess and she's a judge. She's the only one, technically, who's named a prophet. We will see other judges are given the ability to prophesy, but she, or prophesy, but she is specifically a prophetess and a judge. Now, this this term here, when it says wife of Lapidoth, real quickly, it can also be translated woman of the torch, woman of the torch. Now, there are so many different, uh, you know, imaginations and, and different interpretations as to what this, this meant. There were there are two accounts that say there were wi- that there were women serving at the entrance of the tabernacle. And, and they would light lamps. So it might be that she was called to do this. And this time, at this time, the tabernacle, we'll see later really in 1 Samuel, that the tabernacle is in Shiloh. So I don't know if any of y'all have heard about going down to Shiloh to worship God. That's where it comes from. The tabernacle at this time is... Shiloh. And again, just real briefly, because we're going to consider the different tribes in this area. At this time, again, there's no king, and and Judges' references two times that there was no king in Israel so everyone did what was right in their own eyes basically just like we do today it's all relative so you just do whatever you want now it's a loose Confederation though there's no there's no established government basically the the tribes are left and basically ultimately God raises up the rulers right I mean they're not elected <laughs> you know that that's not the deal they come into power by God's anointing so just wanted to mentioned that as well. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. So she's in Ephraim, so that's kind of north of uh, Judah. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali. So he's from Naphtali. And said to him, has not the Lord, of Iz- Lord God of Israel commanded, go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. and I will deliver him into your hand. So she's asking him, has not the Lord said this? You know. And so Barak is basically the general of the military. Okay. And she's saying, as a prophetess and as the judge, the Lord has said, do this, basically, and so, this is what you're going to do. And then he responds, and Barack said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. The cowardice of the men in this account cannot be ignored. Okay, look. It's more proper, especially in a, milita- in a military campaign, for a man to do this. For a, ma- this is a This is his duty. This is his responsibility. And he's basically saying... There can be a number of ways to interpret this. It could be that, you know, he's saying, you know, this is coming from, because again, they have 900 chariots of iron. So I'll go, if you're willing to go with me, if you're so sure that the Lord is delivering us, then how about you come along? Why don't you put your life on the line too? It could be that, or it could just be, I don't trust, I don't believe God will deliver us unless you're here. He's trusting in Deborah too much. There, there are many different ways to interpret this, but either way, it is a result of his cowardice, his lack of faith, anyway, or his, you know, his weakness in his faith. He does have faith, he is going to go, but it's on account of his weakness. So, Deborah tells him, so she said, "I will surely go with you." Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in, on the, in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. So, when in this controversy, especially in this specific account with Deborah, where where some inclination is to say that this is this is a sign that women should you know be whatever and, and all the rest, this is obviously. A, a, a again a, a judgment a slight judgment basically, uh, Barack isn't going to get the glory that the men are you know would get typically he is the general of this army and he is not going to get the glory. God is going to deliver Sisera to another woman, so a woman will also get this story is about basically two strong women, two strong women who come out from from their households, from their homesteads, to deliver Israel, to be the men of Israel, stronger and more courageous than men. Two women, two. Deborah's one, and Jael is another one, and we'll see her shortly. But, so, the glory is not going to go to you, because you're you're weak faith, faith, you should have just gone, you know God is stronger than 900 chariots of iron, right? Okay, so you will not get the glory. Then Deborah arose and went with, with Barak to Kadesh, and Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite Kain, the of the children of Hobab, the, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the Terebinth tree at Zanim, which is beside Kadesh. So... This man is of the, is of the lineage of Moses' father-in-law. Remember, Jethro-Hobab is another name that is used in numbers. But anyway, he's from his line. Now, he's making peace with Jabin and Sisera. Okay, so th- this particular line, Heber, Heber's line of the Canaanites, are, have a treaty, basically, with Jabin and with Sisera. Okay, so they are at peace. That's going to play a part right here. Because they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Ab- Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from ha- Harosheth Hagoim to the river Kashan. So uh, Heber is telling them they are up at Mount Tabor. He is giving them the intel that he's basically, he's basically throwing them out there. You know, he's, he's. This is a betrayal. This is a betrayal. Ultimately, he, this line should still be faithful to the Israelites, and he's not. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots, and the army as far as Her- Herosheth uh, Hagoim, and the army of Sisera fell by the, sword of, by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left, except for Sisera. Okay, so Sisera gets away. You know, this powerful commander, all of a sudden, when, when the tables turn, and he's not the bully, he's scared. He runs away. He leaves all of his men to fall. And he, the general, the captain of the ship who shall go down with the ship, flees as a coward so again all the men basically in this account are cowards okay all right so however Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael the wife of Heber so this is the wife of Heber the one who betrayed the Israelites this is his wife Uh, so he comes to Jael because he thinks this is the place to go you know Heber's my ally you know, I, I know this place I can trust. I'm going to go to his household. So he goes to his household and his wife, Jael, Jael is there. Um, for there was peace between Jabi and king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the king. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. When he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. So she's taking care of him. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. Of course, after this battle, which we will see, which was very, very insane, God did amazing miracles. So this man is exhausted. This man is very thirsty, so he needs some water. So, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. So she went to the extra mile. She is taking care of him. He, he wants water. She goes the extra step and gives him milk for comfort to fill him. You know, to feed, he's too tired to really eat. He just wants some rest, but he, he's thirsty. She gives him milk, okay, for his, for his comfort um, and covered him. So she also covered him. She's just really, she's being motherly here. She's tending to his needs, okay? And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say no. This man is depending on a woman to defend him. Really, to lie also, but to keep him safe. She is dependent, again, let's just recognize the, the, that should not be any man, actual any courageous man of war would not do this, even with another man, okay? So, but this is the weak heart of this man. So, as um, you shall say no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him, so gently, and drove the peg into his temple. Temple, and it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. So again, he's exhausted. So he's in a deep sleep, and this woman, who who would who would, you know, set up their tents. You know, they'll move and they're they're pitching tents. You know, so these women. We cannot think of like this meek and mild woman. The women back then worked, And they worked hard. And they're driving these nails into the ground all the time. So she knew exactly how to do this. She had the strength to do this. And she literally nailed his head to the ground. This is one of the most graphic deaths in all the Bible. And it's at the hand of a woman. Women are not... (laughs) unable to do these mighty things sometimes. They're just not always designed for this. This was designed for Barak, but his faith was weak. Jael's faith is strong. So she drives this man into the ground. Her husband had betrayed the people, and she makes it right. This is a failing, a continual failing of men, which depends on women to reconcile. And that's what she's doing. That's what she did. So so he died, obviously. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, so she's coming out and she's making peace. My husband betrayed you, but come in. I, I have something to show you. <laughs> let's, let's make peace, all right? You're looking for Sisera. I want, I, let me show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera, dead with a peg in his temple. So she's going to get the glory and we will see in the song. She even gets specific glory for this for this account. So on that day, God subdued Jabin the king, the king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel, and at the hand, I'm sorry, and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against being king of Canaan until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So, so it didn't just stop with Sisera. Jabin was basically the ultimate problem. So they they do grow stronger and stronger. We will see. The, the time of peace after this account is for 40 years, which is the longest period of peace after these, these deliverances. However, during that time, they're getting stronger and stronger because, again, after the repentance and their faith is, is restored, then they are faithful to God and they grow stronger and stronger in that faith and thereby stronger and stronger in his might to take care of these enemies and to put down these enemies, this cruel tyrant. Chapter five. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. It starts off with basically, and we'll see, we'll see what the problem was with really many of these tribes, is that the leaders aren't coming out to lead. The, the there are no men or many women, but there are no men specifically, rising up for the, the challenge, rising up to the challenge. And so she's saying, when leaders lead in Israel, such as she did, when they lead, when the people really volunteer themselves for this purpose and dedicate themselves to, for this person' purpose, not for glory, not for vainglory, but for God and for the people for the, the safety and the preservation of these people as well. hero kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. This is a woman. I think what she's saying is, hero kings, give ear, O princes. Even I, even I, a woman, whom God has raised up, but even I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Now she's going to go back to the history of Israel. Lord, when you came out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured, the clouds also poured poured water, the mountains gushed before the Lord, this Sinai, before the Lord God of Israel. That just goes back to the time of Moses. Now, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, that's the wife, that's Heber's uh, Hebrews' wife, the highways were deserted. What this means is, The tyranny of Jabin was so strong that the people feared to even travel, to even travel along the highways. There there was no traffic. (laughs) There was no traffic because of the despotism, because of the tyranny. So the the highways were were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. They had to take the long way around just to avoid getting slaughtered. So they have to do that. This is the case. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel, briefly. Okay, many people will consider the motherhood or motherhood of a woman to be a tender and nurturing thing, and it absolutely is. It absolutely is. There's a cherishing, there's a relationship like nothing else. However, think about a mother. Think about a mother. Think about somebody doing anything to their children, whether son or daughter. That will not. That, that is no longer a meek and mild woman. That is no longer some calm, you know, cook and doing the dishes. No, she becomes she becomes a danger. She, her heart, the heart of a mother to the peril, or the possible peril of her children will move heaven and earth to save her. That's what she's saying. This, all of life was dangerous. All the children of Israel were in harm's way until I, and they had to go around the byways. They had to go, you know, they couldn't travel on the highways. And village life ceased until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods, there's the syncretism. Then there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. What she's saying is I couldn't find anybody to come and fight, nobody's carrying a spear nobody's coming I couldn't find anybody my heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people bless the Lord so she's going to go shortly she's going to go into those who did come but and this goes back to the the first part of the song when leaders lead in Israel when the people willingly offer themselves So my heart is with the rulers of Israel, who offered themselves willingly with the people. So my heart is with those who volunteered, for those who actually did rise up to the occasion. Speak, you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judge's attire, and who walk along the road, far from the noise of the archers, among the watering places, so where there is peace. There's peace. She's not, basically, this is for this is for later transmission of this story. There, there they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts for his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go, go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake. Sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abin- Abinom. So this is just saying, basically, rise up, Deborah. This is, our, this is my time. This is your time. Barak, rise up, man. This is your time. Awake, awake. And how many t- look at how many times, and they all go to- together in this wonderful way that, oh, God willing, we can consider another time. Then the survivors came down. The people against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim were those who, whose roots were in Amalek. So Ephraim is coming whose lineage is actually from the Amalekites, which, which again, when the people would not drive out the inhabitants, the Amalekites were a terrible, terrible enemy of Israel, and they're intermarrying, and they're having... But she's even saying, those whose roots were in Amalek, even those came down. After you, Benjamin, Benjamin came with your people's, from Akir rulers came down. This is half, the half tribe of, Man- of Manasseh. There, were, there was West Manasseh and East Manasseh, and this is his eldest son, basically. So part of Manasseh came. Uh, and from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter staff. We, we saw Zebulun in chapter four. So Zebulun's coming. And the princes of Issachar, who were with were with Deborah, and Isaacar, so was Barak. as Issachar so was Barak sent into the valley under his command. So. All of those are coming. Among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. What does that mean? It really means a lot of searchings of heart. Basically, Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, decided to write a bunch of policies down, condemn the king of Jabin, or the king Jabin, condemn Sisera, condemn all the tyranny, condemn Heber, you know, for, for his betrayal, and that's it. We're just going to speak. We're going to consider this account. Our hearts, you know, we're searching, we're thinking about all this, and that's it. And that happens throughout time, where men will think about these things. They'll sit and consider, and they will not rise to action. That is Reuben. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds? To hear the pipings for the flocks? Barak? went and, we'll see, I'm pretty sure, but Brock had to go blow the trumpet to cry, as a rallying cry for all the tribes to come down, and basically Deborah saying, were the pipings of the flocks too loud, you couldn't hear the trumpet? Why do you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of sheep? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart, and that is as far as they go. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. Gilead did not come. And why did Dan remain on ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed behind by his inlets. Zebulun is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also on the heights of the battlefield. She is rebuking these people. The tribe, the brothers and sisters did not rise up at the time necessary, at the time of God's deliverance. She is rebuking them, and she is praising those who did, the faithful ones who did rise up at the time of need. The kings came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh. So this is obviously talking about Sisera and these kings. In Tanakh, by the waters of Megiddo. Megiddo. I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Battle of Armageddon. It's basically the last and final battle. It's in chapter 16 of Revelation. But basically, Armageddon is, the, the Hebrew is har, is har, and it means hill. And Megiddo, or Megiddon, means a crowd of people, basically. But, so it's the hill of a crowded place. Okay, Armageddon, Armageddon. And on this hill, it's a very slight hill, supposedly, or, or because Revelation is very symbolic, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen here, but this is, it's a reference pointing back to this occasion. There were, there were so many battles in this location that, that where they are. Read. Read about Megiddo. Read about all the histories throughout time, Egypt. I mean, all sorts of battles. And this is one that takes place here, but the final battle is supposed to happen at this self-same spot. So, again, I just want us to recognize the parallels where we go from, you know, pretty much the beginning, and we go all the way to the back of Revelation. God's Word is one. God's Word is whole. Okay? So this is a reference that we'll find its actualization, and its culmination, when Christ returns. The same place. They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the... So... The, the kings weren't even seeking silver. They just wanted to destroy them. So then she's returning back to the Israelites. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. This is to tell us God, God fought the battle. One way, somehow, from the heavens, whether we'll see a ton of rain... But maybe hail, maybe, we don't know. But he's battling from the heavens, the stars. From their courses, fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. That ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon. So, the Kishon River would will ha- have these wadis. okay? And whenever a huge amount of rainfall f- falls, these quickly flood. Quickly flood. Now, we think of 900 chariots of iron what happens to a chariot when it's in mud when it's deep in water can't move can't move remember when the israelites passed through the red sea and god was destroying those chariots as they came through and then they perished with their mighty equipment with their mighty military equipment same happens here O my soul, march on in strength. Then the horse's hooves pounded, the galloping, galloping of his deeds. Curse Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly. Miraz, I believe, means rest. And so, he's basically, the Lord, I think, is because there's no place called Miraz, and this is the only place that's here in the Bible, I think what he's saying is, curse the rest that Reuben and Gilead and all of those who did not come down That is not the rest I've called you to. I've called you to rest in me, but when your brothers and sisters need you, that is a time to rise. So curse this supposed rest. Curse your supposed fake peace. Preaching peace when there is no peace. Because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water. She gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the... So, again, she deceived him. You know, she took care of him. She took him in. And and she deceived him, though. She pretended like, you know, I'm going to take care of you. You are safe with me. I'm going to tend to you until you're asleep. (laughs) So, stretched out her hand to the tent peg. She stretched out her hand curse the rest, curse the rest of these men, not the rest of them, not all of them, but I mean the rest, Miraz, you know, the man's supposed rest who did not come down, curse them. She stretched out her hand. It takes deliberate action on these people, just like it took deliberate inaction from the other people. So she stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sisera, She pierced his head, she split and struck through his temple. At her feet he sank, he fell, he lay still. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he fell, or where he sank, there he fell dead. She's receiving the glory for this, for this deliverance. Barak went and and fought fought all the armies, but that commander was delivered into the hand of a woman, and Barak receives little glory you know he is referenced in here but she is specifically given this part just for her as a memorial remember all about memorials this is a memorial for her beautiful wonderful however the mother of sisera looked through her remember deborah is calling herself the mother of israel so now she's talking about the mother of sisera the mother of sisera looked through the window and cried out through the lattice Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered her. Yes, she answered herself, in fact. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? To every man, a girl or two? For Sisera, plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments, embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. So, basically, they're, they're calming her with this fake, fake, They just assume that Sisera, since he's so strong with his 900 chariots of iron, that he is unstoppable. His military is unstoppable. Ultimately, he's delivered into the hand of a woman. She doesn't know that, and she will not believe it. So basically, they just think the reason he's taking so long is because they are plundering, thoroughly plundering, a girl or two to every man. That's what they would do. This is the tyranny that the Israelites have been living under. And his, her, his mother is very proud of him for this. Wicked. Wickedness. So, the heart of a wonderful mother will die and fight valiantly and righteously for her children. A wicked mother makes a wicked son. And she loses him. And she doesn't even know. In her blind wickedness, in her darkness, she doesn't even see the light. Speaking of light, final verse. Thus, let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So land had rest for 40 years. Remember when Christ was saying there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, Come down from the north and south East to the west to sit at the table of Abraham, and the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. It's the same thing. See, the light of God is what delivers his people, it's what preserves his people, it's what delivers his people. The lack of faith, sin causes judgment, it causes his rebuke, causes his correction. Evil man spares the rod. Father must not spare the rod, otherwise he hates his son. God the Father loves his children, so he will not spare the rod. They are still his people. They are still his people. But if they will Fall away, and and lose their first love. He will strike their heart, until they return, because He is faithful. We cannot look at His rebukes as these punishments, as these chastisements, hard present, as, as if He's some unjust judge. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. And again, I've even told you. He might very well, and He usually does, put you in the furnace when you seemingly didn't do anything to deserve it. Because He's there to refine you. Like gold. And I just want to also say, let's look at the first verse of chapter 6. So the land had rest for 40 years, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, In our time, we need a Deborah, we need a Barak, we need a Gideon, we need a Joshua, we need a Moses, we need somebody. We are also in the same place where seemingly there is no king. When, When Israel does choose to want to have a king, Samuel gets all upset and God makes it clear they are rejecting me. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. I am their king. So we do have a king who reigns now. In our contemporary day, since there is no king in the land, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. We need We need a Deborah. We need a Barak. We need a Gideon. <laughs> Even him. <laughs> we need a Samson. We need an Elijah. We need an Elisha. We need a David. We need a Samuel. We need somebody. We need a people. The church. But let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. The church is meant, remember, the light that shone on Paul and surrounded him was brighter than the noonday sun. The church is meant to be that bright, that radiant, far surpassing any light you can conceive of. And she is so dim right now. And everybody's afraid to go up against these 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 powerful, you know, whomever these leaders of this and these political leaders, and governments and peoples, so afraid of of words, really, so timid, so scared. Let us, even us men, use Deborah as an example. Let us seek his boldness, and pray to God that this is the generation she starts shining her light again. I praise, I pray he does this. In In the meantime, we seek him. We praise him without end. Let this be our hearts. Let us not rest just with the world as it is. This is our time. When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Not bless the man, not bless Deborah, not bless Barak, not bless Gideon, not bless Samson, but thank God for them. We need them. We need them now more than ever. So pray God. He hires laborers for his harvest. Praise God, let's pray. Father, though the world might seem dim, but before our eyes we see darkness and shadows, your radiance is supreme and it has no end. And it casts the darkness hell where it belongs father ignite a spark let that spark become a holy flame raise up men and women for your name's sake bless the church my god raise up in her your holy witness give us your passion. Give us your devotion. Give us your word, your strength, your providence, and more than ever, my God, your presence, now and forever. It's in your son's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.